The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, we're celebrating St. Bridget's this bank holiday weekend. And apart from St. Bridget Crosses, what do we know about the woman who died almost 1,500 years ago and has been described as a trailblazer and lots of other things. Well, storyteller and folklorist Lorraine O'Dwyer from gallivanting.ie based in North County Wexford is joining me this morning to tell us more about St. Bridget and all the different associations with her because she's many things to many people, isn't she, Lorraine? She is, Orla. She is, absolutely. She's quite epic, really. Um, she has she has so many stories attached to her because you're saying 1500 years, which is uh, quite a chunk mm. of history. But her story goes back far further than that. OK, so um, to you, who is St. Bridget? Well, to me, uh, as a pagan, she is breed. She a brig. She's a goddess. She's a fertility goddess that welcomes spring in. Um, but as a as an Irish woman, she's she's even more than that. She is she's been a figure that's been part of our, all of our lives growing up. Um, but she's a cross between the Christian beliefs, uh, Catholic beliefs, mm. and pagan beliefs and she's a cross between she's a cross into everything really because she she like Imbolg is a is a season of food it's a season of springtime it's it's it celebrates so much she's she's celebrating more than just her and I think it's lovely because Bridget the name the enlightened one the high one um that this is what it translates as and it 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 kind of reminds us to kind of live our better life live mm. our a, a, better person all the time which is because St. Bridget well Breed she was a better person all the time because as you say she was a trailblazer Mm -hmm. and that involved her shutting down some people that needed to be shut down like priests and kings and chieftains and things to get her away she even told her father who tried to marry her off that she wasn't going to do it and she disfigured her face until until he stopped trying to marry her off so she Mm. is an actual person but she's also part of folklore Yes. Okay. So Explain that um, to some us. right. So some people, including myself, believe um that um and there is there is there is history to back this up, but mm. believe that she was the goddess of a tribe called the Brigante tribe. Uh these were Celts, they lived in the foothills of the Alps, and they as the tribe grew, they spread out down through Europe. Um, they came down into France, into Spain, into Germany, Switzerland, Lake Constance, actually, its original name was Lake Brigante. They made their way all the way over to Scotland. Um, and there at that point, their queen, Carthmunda, got into a bit of a rat- she was going through a very bad divorce. It didn't work out very well for her at all. And she ended up taking the tribe down through Wales and into Leinster. And they this is this is where they settled. They had they had a, a temple in Kildare and um dedicated to her with a big yew hedge with a flame inside that no man was allowed to inside. And um and you know, she was worshipped here for a long time. She became part of the Irish story. She was adapted into the Danu story. They okay. said that she was the daughter of the god Dagda, the father of all the gods. Wow. Um, and she's very and much she, associated with Kildare and Loud. She is, absolutely. So, so, so they have, you know, when they were, when they were absorbing breed into the Christian story, they had to stay fairly close to her roots, for want of another word. But so, so it is very centralized in that area. But remember that that whole area going into Louth and, and across into Meath and stuff, that that was where the largest population of Celtic Ireland was at that time. Okay, good stuff. 
Um, how do you celebrate her? What do you do? Food, food. Um, be- <laughs> I like your style. Because, yeah, because um, the St. Bridget's Day or in bulk, um, as it's also known, in bulk means in the belly. And okay. it referred to the fact that animals were starting to get pregnant. They were starting to lactate and bring in milk. And in Celtic Ireland, um, we had we were fiercely fiercely mad about our dairy okay. and um so so this kind of marked dairy season starting off so that we 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 call we we called the food board uh bon bia okay. white food um so it was all different types of milk all different types of cheeses and yogurts and things like that would you believe ricotta and things like that were being eaten back in celtic ireland um but this was the start of all of that lovely fresh fresh milk coming into the house okay. it also marked the start of fishing season um so it was safe to get back out into the boats after a long winter um and um and then saint bridget herself is associated with beer um okay. so beer that's what you'll be doing yeah so um so for me it's as i said in bulk is part of three of the four celtic agricultural festivals one every three months and each one marks a different food source so so i celebrate all of these festivals by eating you know because i love food (laughs) and that celebrates the start of a new season each one of those as well it is. It is. So, so, so the, for pagans, we believe that the spring goddess has returned now, and everywhere she walks, life springs up under her feet, primroses and snowbells and bluebells, and and all of the foraging season starts now as well. So you're going to start seeing the wild garlic growing everywhere, and the trees are are starting to bud. Mm-hmm. So you've got your beech leaf and your dandelions, and these were all foods that our ancestors needed quite badly as well, because after a long winter of deep of of living on salted meats and dried beans and things like that but the food that's growing on uh, growing out there now if you remember that our ancestors believed that these goddesses were like a mother figure to us a breed was like a mother so what do we need at this time we need something to help us get our sluggish systems going again so that's detoxifying you know lovely stuff yeah that's that's and it's been so great to f- celebrate a woman over a bank holiday weekend the first woman that we're celebrating here in ireland over the bank oh, holiday it's Absolutely fantastic. And, and you know, we, we talk, a lot of people are talking about this, this rise of this feminine divine and, mm-hmm. you know, that, that you know, all, and all of that is linked. And this is absolutely the first, as you say, the first bank holiday to be after a woman, which is, you know, it's very late coming, but thankfully it's here. And it's so right that it would be would be named after Bridget, after everything that the women of this country have gone through over the millennia and over the centuries that and this woman went through quite a lot. She was such a trailblazer. And the, the women that are are here in Ireland today, we are changing the world for our children and mm-hmm. grandchildren and great grandchildren to come um, and we are standing on the shoulders of some of the great women that came before so it's 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 absolutely appropriate that it's St. Bridget it's it's absolutely wonderful that it's St. Bridget because she just took no nonsense off anybody and that's how we women in Ireland need to be. And you have a busy day today as well don't you celebrating? <laughs> Yes, yes, I am in Powerscourt Distillery today. Um, can't wait. One of my favourite places to work out of um, because of those amazing gardens. But uh, Powerscourt Distillery is in the old mill house. So today I'm going to be teaching, t- talking about Bridget. I am talking about all of her different stories okay. um, from and then talking about the St. Bridget's Cross as well and how that actually has its roots in Neolithic fertility oh. uh, emblems. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. 
Yes. Well, if you fancy <laughs> finding out more about that, Enniscary is the place you need to be in County Wicklow for the Powers Court Distillery. And as you said, Powers Court is a pretty special place as well with those amazing gardens in there too. That's where Lorraine will be. As you said earlier, you're going to be doing some foraging now as we head into springtime and you do that yes. in the ancient woods that are Court Town just outside Gorey too. What a lovely place to spend your springtime, Lorraine. <laughs> yes, it's very special and I cannot wait after. It's been a long L winter, you it know. Has. So it's, it's been time longer to get back than out. usual, it feels like, doesn't it? A dark winter. Well, there's there's a, there's this funny thing where the uh, the belief was was that the Kaloc or the crown crone goddess mm-hmm. if she came out if the sun was shining on St Bridget's Day which it unfortunately was on the first of February ah. um, that that meant that uh, the Kaloc was just making sure that the weather was fine for her to go out and collect more more wood for the fire so if the if the sun shines on February the first we're in for a bit of a longer winter it's, okay. a, it's our version of Groundhog Day I'm trying to remember what it was like back on February first a few days ago five days ago I'm thinking it was sunny it was sunny okay so winter 2023 will be a dark one as well I'll leave you with that one Lorraine thanks a million if you want to check Lorraine out it is gallivanting.ie she does so many stuff when it comes to storytelling and folklore so that's the best place to find her on gallivanting.ie have a great day today in Paris Court Distillery in County Wicklow and I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon Thanks a million, Ireland. Happy in bulk. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It is the weekend, a bank holiday weekend, no less, and you are listening to Beat 102-103 and the Sunday Grill. And in bulk has arrived and we are celebrating. In bulk is the official end of winter, the start of spring in Old Ireland. And I have to say, I am ready for it. So are the people behind Corkra 22. They're based in County Waterford and tonight they are holding a free community event to mark the full moon and in bulk celebration in Newtown Cove in Tremor. And to tell us more, Sinead Gould from Corkra 22 joins us on the Sunday Grill. You're very welcome. Thanks so much, Orla. Delighted to hear to it's- chat about all the... All the stuff. <laughs> it's great to talk to you. And it, looking at your Corkra 22 Instagram, it kind of reminds me if I moved to a new town, it's something I would really need in my life. It seems to be a gathering of a community who really like the same things. How would you describe Corkra 22? You've hit the nail on the head there. It, you know, for me, I started Corker 22 because I craved a community mm. of people, you know, of like minded people, you know, enjoying nature, you know, having, you know, similar conversations and being connected in the outdoors. And so, yeah, it's a community of all different people that come together to just enjoy nature and to enjoy the simple things. Really, so you've, you've done stuff simply. like you've been up, <laughs> uh, you've been up mountains and you do a lot of outdoorsy stuff. Yeah, so our main focus is our full moon gatherings every month. Um, I feel like the reason why they're the main focus is because I kind of get told by nature herself, it's a full moon this Mm -hmm. month, and then I have to organise it. So one of those people who feels that a full moon is coming, are you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Always felt very connected to the moon and the sea, nature in general, you know. And so we we do um, other gatherings as well such as going for hikes or walks but mainly the full moons is our go-to thing monthly okay so there's been a lot of talk and and more so now more than ever i feel about in bulk and the end of winter the start of spring it just feels like everyone is ready for those brighter days ahead what does in bulk mean to you 
Yeah, Imbolc to me is is the brighter days ahead. It's coming out of the darkness, <laughs> crawling out of the womb, or <laughs> coming into the bright light, and you know, just feeling. It's kind of like being in sync with nature itself, because you know, nature's reawakening, the buds are coming, you know, new beginnings are happening, and I feel like it's a very hopeful time coming out. A lot of people tend to not deal well with the darkness in winter, and so it's just a really nice new fresh beginning and a reminder that you know the longer days are coming and that we can just be outside more because being outside is just so good for your whole well-being and so for me I just get so excited knowing that we just get to be outside for longer every day I actually can't wait and my dog can't wait either I have to say yeah, for the late night walks. No yeah. no more dark times. No walks. more dark yeah. times, thankfully. So tell us about uh, your full moon gathering tonight. Um, tonight being six o'clock, because obviously we're not in that high summertime yet. So what happens tonight at Newtown Cove? Yeah, so um, we kind of meet at different places depending on the tides and stuff. So I chose Newtown Cove tonight because the t- full tides at around half five. It means that people that don't um, swim in deep waters can still go in on the kind of the beachy side of it um anyone is welcome just to show up we'll have a little fire lighting we'll have some tunes some people bring snacks and tea um and we'll just you know bring a blanket and um maybe a pillow or yoga mat and um just turn up and it's really lovely we just kind of always sit in circle we get to have all the chats meet new people or you can totally be in your own kind of bubble if you like there's no pressure and that's the lovely thing about being outside as well there's no kind of you know, forced conversations if you want to just come and reflect and have that moment to yourself. And we'll all um, usually do like a bit of a meditation moment, a bit of a releasing exercise, get in, have a swim or just dip your toes or just watch from the from the shore. And we're planning on also making St. Bridget's Crosses tonight as well. Lovely. So, so yeah, gorgeous. Like, like back in the primary school days. Yeah, <laughs> which I was terrible at, but I'll give it a go again. <laughs> and it's all, of course, free this event tonight at six, is it? Yeah, so it's always free. Um, I just like to keep it as a community gatherings. Um, sometimes we do it for charities, which is donation based. But yet tonight it's absolutely free. Just bring yourself. We'll bring the crack August kill. <laughs> OK, good stuff. And as you said, bring your blanket, maybe a, a warm pair of socks yes. as well. It can get quite cold there. And if you're brave, a swimsuit. Are you going to get in tonight then, Sinead? Oh, I am. Yeah, no, no wetsuit here. I want to feel those waves. (laughs) Good woman. And I think February might be the coldest month to get into the sea. So fair play to you. Do you you know what? It actually is. And also just to mention, actually, there's no shame in wetsuits. Wetsuits are welcome. (laughs) (laughs) She's not judging. She's not judging. Not judging. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is on tonight. It is an in bulk celebration for the full moon tonight, 6 p.m. at Newtown Cove in Tremor in County Waterford. And of course, there's plenty of parking around there as well. Do you want people to arrive a little bit earlier or what would you like them to do? Um, I mean, some people do because they like to get settled before maybe mm. a lot of people turn up. So it's totally optional. Some people come really late. It's completely up to you. OK, good stuff. 6pm, though, is the yeah. time. Newtown Cove in Tremor and in County Waterford. If you want to get more details, the Instagram account is Corkra22 and that's C-O-R-C-A-22. And you'll see lots of all the other stuff out in nature that the organisation do. Sinead Gould, thanks a million for joining me this morning. Thanks so much, Orla, and lots of in-bulk blessings to you. Thank you, (laughs) and to you too. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. 
Well, Davidstown in County Wexford is the destination for CAN therapeutic horse riding sessions for children or teens on the autism spectrum. It's run with Happy Trails in Davidstown and the Cottage Autism Network. Louise Fitzpatrick is the chairperson of CAN and she joins me on the phone this morning. You're very welcome. Hi, Orla. How are you? Thanks I'm for very having well, me on. thank you. This is a, lo- a lovely idea of therapeutic horse riding sessions, but it, it's a bit more fun than just therapy, isn't it? Oh, of course. Our children get so much out of it. And I have to say, Olive and Dave are just amazing who run Happy Trails. Uh, we've been with them now for a few years uh, before COVID we started. And um, so the sessions kind of start with um, the children arrive there's a kind of like a nice uh, relaxed kind of farmyard setting mm. up with Olive and Dave where there's two pigs going around and there's chickens, there's rabbits. So there's a lovely calm environment lovely. where the children not just only have the horses to see. but two pigs you know, as well. Uh, yes, the names have been lost to me now at the moment but yes so they're lovely. Oh, lovely. So very friendly have a nice little scratch before oh, you get on the horse. Gorgeous. So um, then when they're brought up to the arena um, the children um, can either like there's the whole thing of when children arrive they gather what way the children are okay. and you can sense whether the, they like to get up on the horse or you can lead them and it's all at their children's pace. Okay. And are most about, children kind of receptive to sitting on a horse or does it take a bit of time to get them into that? Some children like to just go straight on and then some children um, don't. Like, um, they just like to go quietly in and maybe take a few weeks for them to get onto horses. So what Olive would do and Dave would do in that situation would be to uh, just let them pet them and that will bring them on up to then um, leading the horses by a lead rope and just walking around the arena very slowly. And it's just the the thing of building up your trust uh, with the horse to the point where children are happy and feel the rhythm of the horse and are able to get up and sit on them and feel comfortable with doing that. But it's also the the thing of just being. Okay. With with the horse uh-huh. is children find very calming and relaxing. Okay, and and is that most of what the therapy is? That half an hour, just being, being in the moment, the rhythm of it. Yeah, well, it is. A lot of children just get a huge amount out of just the relaxation of being on the horse, uh, the reaction and the interaction that they get, both physically, sensory, and the social and emotional that they get from being on the back of a horse and what the horse kind of nearly just engages in what they're feeling on the back of them and they get what's coming through from children and they feel it and they can tap into to what's going on. And also um, Olive has an amazing range of horses mm-hmm. and luckily for them, they're all rescues themselves, <laughs> the horses. So um, they're a brilliant bunch that she has and they're just... Uh, lovely set they're lovely and calm they're quiet and it's like they're nearly intuitive to the children and they know like who's coming in mm, lovely so and where yeah. do they go then because it's gorgeous around there in Davidstown yeah so they go into the arena and the way Olive has it set up is there's little small games set up around the arena 
So they the children be on lap pads instead of saddles. Mm-hmm. So they sit on the lap pad and then there's uh, two people, there's one on either side. So the children are never on their own. And then someone will be leading. So say there'd be like a long shoot on one side of the arena and the children will put balls in and they'll come down and go into buckets. And then they'll go on to another game on the other side. So say on the four sides of the arenas, there's different games for the children to start off in just to ease them into walking around the arena. And then they'll come down, walk out of the arena and there's this lovely walk. There's through the fields. Uh, they've done an amazing job on this sensory garden that they have there to play with afterwards. But they can go up um, a lovely walk up the lane that parents can also accompany their children on. So they're they're not on their own if children are anxious. Parents can go on this walk as well. So it's not just like um, you can kind of drop them off and leave them. It's all our parents stay at our activities anyway. But so it's all inclusive family activity. Mm, if that's what children like. Yeah, an experience. So there's a lovely long walk up um, a lane. And so it could take maybe 20 minutes or so to do that walk and then come back. And then the children have the whole experience of um, the people can see the renovations that they've done on Facebook. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. There's loads of new equipment. There's a coffee shop after going in. So it's all, it, it looks absolutely fantastic. Gorgeous. What's the reaction been like for parents and for children alike? Is it a, a positive reaction mostly? It's been absolutely fantastic. I, everyone that comes out um, just has an amazing experience. and. Every time we put, we do a monthly basis of pushing our activities out to parents and it's always the same parents that book the slots that they want to go into because um, their children get so much out of going every Saturday. So like I've actually increased uh, the amount of times for going on Saturdays because we've had a waiting list for people wanting to go. So like that's kind of an indication of how well it's doing. Mm. Totally. And you can see and how popular it is. Like, yeah, the demand is is really high for it. And also, I think parents in general are seeing the benefits of therapeutic horse riding okay. and are, are kind of seeing it and, and wanting to seek it out also. And make it a regular thing for their, for their child. Yeah. Um, yeah, make it a regular. Now, you need to be a member of the Cottage, Cottage Autism Network to get involved with this. Is that quite easy to do to get involved with it? Well, for our parents, the way we work for our, our cottage autism parents is our activities are all subsidised through the charity. Okay. So for them to access our Saturday, say, classes, uh, they would have to be a member of Cottage Autism Network. Okay. And to join um, our, the charity, you can join through uh, our website, which is cottageautismnetwork.com. Oh, thanks a million, Lorraine, for joining me this morning. Again, that website is cottageautismnetwork.com and that's where you'll get more details. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, my next guest is both a new mum and a new business owner and both of those titles are related. Kate Doyle is from County Wexford and set up the Nappy Market with the aim to contribute to the circular economy, give families a way to make their money go further while at the same time reducing their environmental impact. Kate joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning. You're very welcome, Kate. Thanks, Orla. I'm delighted to be here. Now, so let's go back to almost this time last year. Your little girl, Ava, was born last April. So it's a very busy time for you at the moment. But you added reusable nappies into the mix. Tell me about that decision. 
because that decision yeah. takes commitment, doesn't it? Yeah, um, it, it does, although probably not as much as you would think. Yes, this time last year I was pregnant and as every new parent does, I spend a lot of time on Google mm-hmm. trying to research all of the items I would need, um, you know, the safest one, the best one, the top rated one and reusable nappies was something I just happened to come across by accident on Facebook Marketplace. Okay. Um, and I just thought, oh, that's a that's a neat idea. Um. I don't particularly like carrying bulky items from the supermarket every week and I, I don't I'm trying to kind of cut down on on waste generation and I thought well if I bought all my nappies now I, I wouldn't need to buy disposable nappies um weekly and, and I thought well I'll do a bit more research on that and um I, I thought well you know it's, it's much bigger there's a much bigger community out there than you mm. realize there's a lot of mums already using them uh, there's a great Facebook support group so I, I, I logged in there and um I learned all that I could and I decided yeah we're going to give this a go and I invested in some reusable nappies and we started with my little girl when she was about I think she's about 10 days old um and yeah we've we've never looked back since and I haven't bought a packet of disposable nappies or disposable wipes um since then so uh, yeah it's all very normal in our house at this time fair play to you how many nappies did you buy to start off with the reusable ones reusable nappies I started off with I think I bought about 30 in one kind of a job lot um, but some of them were not relevant to me and some of them I didn't need so I actually passed them on again and then I kind of stocked up on things that uh, worked for us better or uh, that I didn't already have so reusable nappies come in a mixture of styles um, and I bought all of the same kind to begin with okay. which was probably my error um it's a bit like um you know if, if a plumber has all of the same size uh you know screwdriver in his toolbox that, that's not much use you need a kind of a mixed combination mm. and so that's where i uh, the first mistake i made and so i added a kind of a couple of different styles and varieties so i have um a better selection and okay. that kind of led me then to uh, my idea for the nappy market i thought families and parents need a place where they can get more information and maybe see more videos or demonstrations, do a workshop uh, and then also get some guidance on kind of what to buy and why you might want to buy that item or or the pros and cons. And I kind of used all of my own experience um, to to generate the website. and that's that's been a been a passion, it's a passion I've sort of been building alongside mm. uh, looking after Ava for the last uh, six months or right. so. So it's the nappymarket.ie. Um, you've got really great advice there, as you were saying on it, like things like nighttime reusable nappies um, versus daytime. Lots of advice on there. What's your clientele like? Is it mostly people here in the southeast or who do you find is looking no, at your website? Been, well, well, there's definitely a mixture. So it's actually very interesting because I suppose one of the reasons I set up the nappy market is because the UK is huge for, for reusable nappies, much bigger than Ireland. And a lot of families here would have purchased from the UK. But since Brexit, it's actually become very difficult. Okay. So I suppose one reason was accessibility. I thought there needs to be a bigger, better, broader offering in Ireland. And then the other thing being a, a kind of a resource for information um, is, is the other piece. I suppose I was looking back on all of the questions or all of the things that I had to kind of Google multiple sources for when I was learning. And I thought, OK, I need to put that up there or I need to have something around this. And this is a question that I couldn't 
find the answer to. So I want to put that up. Um, and then in terms of who's accessing the website, there's there's people from all over Ireland. I've had I've had sales from from lots of different counties already, which is fantastic. And I have actually got a workshop um, which, which is fully booked now. But there's 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 parents from all over Ireland who are booked into that. It's it's free. Um, so they're going to we're going to do a, just a, just to a learn about cloth nappies to give them some information and then they can kind of go away and decide whether they want to um, do that as part of their parenting journey. Um, because they get a bit of so a bad yeah, rap, don't they? Reusable nappies. Like my first question straight away is, are you know, you just think they, they can be a bit gross, really. Oh yeah, so so definitely, I, I do think that there's a, there's so there's a misconception. So number one, um, they're they're not a new concept. They they did exist years ago, although they were very different back then. So there was kind of terry towels with mm. little pins holding them together, mm-hmm. and but but at the time, the washing machines of the past were not well. Number one, they did they didn't exist for a while, and then after that, they wouldn't have been as good as the washing machines or the washing powder that we have today. So the, the design of of the cloth nappies and the washing has significantly moved pace with modern times to make them very easy to use. Um, the, 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 I suppose when I was thinking about it from when, before I had any knowledge whatsoever, I was thinking, well, well, my waste bin comes every two weeks. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to have potentially, I like, you know, a newborn could have 10, 10 nappies a day. Um, I was I was counting up how many nappies is that in two weeks then they're going to be all stored in my bin outside possibly some in my kitchen bin until it's time to take the bin out and I actually thought that having two whole weeks of dirty nappies in the bin was more gross than having maybe two days of wet nappies in a a wet bag or Uh in a hanging tail in the laundry room and I kind of thought that actually is more for me it was easier to deal with um and in terms of managing the, the grossness, I suppose, the either way, whether you're using a disposable or a reusable nappy, you have to change. You have well, to change true. it. Like, you know, yeah. you have to deal with the pooey bomb. So yeah. that's, that's it. I suppose. And I'm just conscious of what what time it is in the morning and people will be having their breakfast. I suppose we, <laughs> yeah. we think there's an element of having to go a little step further with reusable nappies, you know, having to, you yeah. know, you can't just throw them in the washing machine, can you? Um, well, you can actually with the with new. So before they start solids, so before six months ah, of age, okay, yeah. um, you, you can put them straight into the washing machine. And to be honest with you, because they're babies, it's it's everything is just so small. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's very easily manageable. So before six months of age, yes, everything can just go straight into the washing machine or into the washing bag. And then and then you, you stick on your okay. load and it all washes away. That's really good um, to and know. Then after, and then after six months of age, uh, you can get a little, it's called a little disposable liner uh-huh. um, and, and you would place that in the nappy. And um, it's just a bit like the top layer of the nappy just just kind of pulls off and that uh-huh. goes into the vein or, or, oh, or, or pops in the toilet. OK, so. So, yeah. OK, good to so, know. So you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you don't have a big laundry basket of, of, um, Grossness. of, of <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's completely, it's completely uh, uh, a misconception. Yeah. And you know what? There are so many misconceptions when it comes to reusable nappies, but I suppose the biggest draw, if you're thinking about the environment, is that uh, this is all from your website. It's quite astounding that one child uses on average 5,000, and I mean the throwaway nappies, in their lifetime. And that's 5,000 nappies that go to a landfill. And there's uh, 1 million disposable nappies going to landfill in Ireland every day. And they take 500 yeah. years to break down. That's quite astounding. But also there's a massive saving in using reusable nappies, yeah. isn't there? Absolutely. Families, I suppose if you, if you had to, well, if you just, those figures exactly, like if you were to go into the supermarket right now and buy your 5,000 disposable nappies up front, 
I mean, that would probably cost you well over a thousand euros mm. um, compared to if you were to go online and buy maybe five or six hundred euros worth of reusable nappies. There is a saving. But but the big saving happens if, if you start on your first child, you can pack up your nappies and then just take them out when your second baby arrives mm-hmm. and reuse them again. So so that's the saving really adds up. I mean, I've had there was one mom actually I was in touch with me uh, yesterday and she's on her fourth baby. And, um, you know, she's been using the same cloth nappies. Now, she did top up a little bit here and there, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, just uses them all the way, all the way along. So there's a huge saving to be had then if you're using them on multiple children. Okay. Um, but, but but the numbers are staggering that that one million nappies go in mm. every single day. And, and people are really shocked thinking, oh, that can't be right. It can't be every day. But but if you think about it, you know, there's, there's about 60,000 babies born mm-hmm. in Ireland every year mm-hmm. and they'll need nappies for the first two years of their life. So mm-hmm. So you quickly add up the figures and you can see it. And if you start to look kind of across Europe or across America and you look at the numbers, it, it's, it really is mind blowing. Yeah, um, the waste is generated by it. And with that in mind as well, you're looking for companies to do a sponsorship program with you, aren't you? I am. Um, I actually I had a couple of companies reach out to me after um, past uh, hearing me on the radio kind of in the last couple of weeks. And they said, well, you know, we don't need nappies ourselves, but we would love to get involved. I'd love to sponsor a child. And I thought, God, that's a great idea. Um, I think I'm going to I'm going to you know run with that idea and see, could I get other companies involved? So I've had three so far who have uh, would like to kind of put up the cost of sponsoring a, a full kit for a family. And um, I'm hoping to um, well, I'm hoping to, to, to get about 30 and uh, we might get together and, and do some sort of a little fundraiser or generate a calendar at the end of the year from um from the families and, and, and from the companies to, to help spread the word. It, see, the biggest issue is with all the waste that's generated, um, you know, we all have to live with that. <laughs> this mm. is an island and, uh, you know, I suppose we have to come up with clever ways to try and combat it or, or try to spread the message of reusables. Brilliant stuff. Well, the nappymarket.ie is the website if you want to get more details on that sponsorship programme, advice and also where you can purchase those reusable nappies as well. And not satisfied with being the owner of the nappy market. You're also you also have an online fitness business as well, don't you? I know. Yeah, we we're, we have a very busy household here, um, but but it is great and it's it's very, um, uh, you know, it's a great place to try and, you know, be creative. So my, my husband, Larry Doyle, runs Larry Doyle Coaching and uh, I would be, take take a second seat in that business, but very much involved. It's a, it's a joint effort um, uh, between managing childcare and then kind of working on things he's working on um, he, he's very busy with uh, you know he does a lot of podcasting mm. and, and interviews himself and um, has, has a huge host of clients all across Ireland and the world and, and they've been very supportive um, of my journey I suppose as a mother and as a, as a businesswoman I get great support from from them and from our online community um, but yeah it is it's, 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 it's a very busy household and I'm it. like well <laughs> you you have to mind Ava for an hour here. I need to do this on the computer and and um, but that's that's just the way it is and and you know work from home for us uh, works but but it is it is busy. Okay, well you can follow that business as well, the online fitness business. <laughs> it's living with the Doyles, but the website you need for the Nappy Market is the nappymarket.ie and of course if you search for the Nappy Market on social media, you'll find Kate there as well. Kate Doyle, thank you so much Wonderful. for joining me this morning and telling us about that new Wexford-based business. Thanks, Orla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Seven Oscar nominations for this two and a half hour movie. But I suppose we can't expect anything less from Steven Spielberg. He loves a long movie. He does, does love. And he loves a good movie as well. Oh, 
There you go. Mm. There's your hint. Yeah. This, of course, is called The Fablemans. Uh, is it worth your cinema ticket? It tells the, it's semi-autobiographical, telling the story of young Sammy Fableman and how he falls in love with movies after his parents take him to see the greatest show on earth. There's so much buzz around this week's movie. Did Brian like it? I think he's told us his answer. <laughs> I'm always pretty obvious when I come to these things, really. Let's have a listen, and then he will tell us somehow what he thought. Yeah, what would it be? She should have been a concert piano player. What she got in her heart is what you got. You can't just love something, you also have to take care of it. It's more important than your hobby. Can you stop calling it a hobby? Mom got a monkey. Why'd you get a monkey? Because I needed a laugh. You always have to be the center of attention. Stop shouting at her. That has been nothing but disrespect from you. I'm your mother. There you go. That is the Fablemans. I would like a monkey also. (laughs) (laughs) That's all you took from the whole story. She got a monkey. Okay. (laughs) Orla, first things first. Did you go see Babylon last week? Uh, No. Why? Because life got in the way again. Oh, yeah. See, this is this is the, the sad thing because seeing Babylon, right, it end, it starts like 1920s, whatever, right? Yeah. But it ends in 1952 with him going to the cinema, right? Oh, this starts, so this would have been a good segue. This starts in 1952 with them going to the cinema. Wow. Different movie, but I just Lovely. thought it was... Lovely, little it, nod. Well, not even to each other. Like, how would they have known? No, but they like, wouldn't have. It's just, it's well, a let's perfect, call it a nod perfect to time. Yeah. Steven Spielberg comes across as just such a lovely man. But this is the thing. So, like, you see things in this movie. It's semi-autobiographical. Okay. But, like, he, he writes letters to things to, like, get jobs or whatever. But he has been known for, like, for years that when some, like, movie maker makes a really good movie, that he will send a letter Aww. to them saying how great it is and how much he loved Brilliant. different things and, like, different performers and stuff as well. Like, I thought your performance in this was fantastic. Fun. And everyone's like, holds that. Imagine you, you do a performance in a movie it maybe doesn't make a lot of money, but you thought you did really well and the critics liked it. And you're like, ah, oh, look, whatever. Maybe this thing isn't for me. Look, maybe it's just a one-off thing. And Steven Spielberg sends wow. you a letter. I would frame that letter. I would cry. Yeah, <laughs> I'd cry. I'd nearly cry just thinking about it. You like, would you know? be dining out so, on that for the rest of your life. Yeah, and it's like, basically, we see how, like, obviously it's not him. And I feel like things that were changed were because of personal reasons more okay. than anything. Like, what was changed? Like, you hear them say there that his mum was a concert pianist his own mother yeah. was a concert pianist at one stage so I feel like it's I feel like it's things that if his parents or something might come off in a bad light okay. or if it's family or friends might come off in a bad mm-hmm. light he might have changed it so they can be like while it is them it's not them like because mm-hmm. I, I don't know the ins and outs of his life I, mm-hmm. di- I didn't research it because I didn't want anything to be spoiled for me obviously he became director but this is like the early years of someone pretty much him. And so there's been so much talk about this. It seems to be going on for months, if not a year. We've heard about this semi-autobiographical movie yeah. that Steven Spielberg is making about Steven Spielberg's life. Um, something he's always wanted to make. Am I right in thinking that? I think I saw that in an interview I th- yeah. somewhere. Yeah, I think he always wants to tell this story, but I think it's only, he said in the last couple of years, he had the strength to make it, mm. like to even just talk about it. Like, mm. you know? But as it is, it's a... Like if this is however much it's based on his life, it's still going to be a tough story because it's basically how like there was like a, a, a conflict between his parents and not because they didn't love each other, but because they didn't just weren't on the same wavelength all the time and they didn't realize how to be on the other ones. You know, And it's like it's such a, a terrible thing because normally these things it's like, 
oh, this is like they were just bad match from the start, whatever. But it's like they're actually a really good pairing and they uh-huh. they really care for each other, but they just kind of grow differently, do you know? Okay. And it's it's a, it's it's a sad story, but it's it's a beautiful one at the same time. And in what know? way is it a sad story? Ah, it's just basically like this this child that's like trying to make movies and stuff has so much going on in his personal life, but then he kind of brings in elements of both his parents into how the films are made. So he does things very creatively. And like like I have always said that Steven Spielberg is one of the only directors ever that when you watch it, it's not a film, it's not a movie, it's it's magic. You know, he just brings that like electricity into a film screen. I don't know how he does it. I really don't. I think it could be the music and John Williams mm. obviously nominated for an Oscar this, he's 90. Wow. And like, I, I don't know if it is the music, I don't know if it's the performances. I, I think it's just honesty, always been the honesty of like things he loved. And I there's uh, pretty much references to like all Spielberg's movies in the, this movie. So like there's, and I don't, I don't know if it's literally just a case of he was inspired by his youth to make movies about those things. But it's just, it's such a beautiful movie, honestly. And it's, it's, it's like, it's one of those things like Babylon last week is behind the scenes of cinema, of, of movies and stuff, always going to be right up my alley. This is the exact same thing, really. It's completely the thought process, how much he cares about mm. film and stuff and like what it means to him. Like I even watched The Greatest Show on Earth because that's the film they see at the start of it. Uh, wasn't a big fan of it, to be fair, like, it, but it came out in 1952. So yeah. like at the time, I imagine it was crazy. Uh-huh. Like, you know? uh-huh. But it was still a good story. But it's just seeing how that he can take or what's happening around him and... and just using a bit of intelligence from science with the art to yeah. what it can create. Like, you know, it's, it's, it is a bit of a magical film, to be fair. Yeah, it's just like, it's his 12th Oscar nomination for Best Picture. Yeah. He's the highest grossing director of all time. It's phenomenal. And like, he just has such a vast, uh, like, like you say, subjects that he deals yeah. with, like everything from Raiders of the Lost Ark and E.T. and things like The Colour is Purple and Schindler's yeah. List. So it is very interesting to see him make this autobiographical movie and I suppose like later in his career as well yeah but all like all these things always like even the movie you kind of see where these influences came from so like one of his first things he made was like this cowboy movie Mm -hmm. and like it's set in the desert or whatever and obviously maybe there was like like before he made it there was like thing of cowboys were it but then by the time he came around to actually making features people realized but cowboys actually weren't the heroes that we thought they were Uh and like pretty pretty Indiana Jones esque feel to it like you know and then like there's the whole thing of his mother takes them out and they see like a this hurricane that's happening just down the road and they kind of chase it a small bit that's like Twister and all these like different little things like you feel West Side Story in it a lot okay. like it's, it has a lot of so that feel so nods in there yeah 100% to his own things but maybe it's just a case of he's using the same locations or whatever that he used I'm pretty sure at one stage the hall he uses is the same one as West Side Story oh, but. Wow. Michelle Williams of course starring in it too Paul Dano as well they are um, Sammy's mum and dad in that and then Gabriel LaBelle is playing Sammy in this yeah. Um, or like lots of people are playing Sammy, but he's playing it for the most part. How does he do in this? I think it's fantastic. Brilliant. It's just like, it's one of those performances. It's always, they say with, with children and stuff, you never know what they're going to do or whatever. But he, I think it's just Spielberg. I think he just gets it. I think he's just like, just enjoy yourself, have fun. Like it's just play in front of the camera. And it's just, you feel that like, it was not a thing of massive pressure that mm. like if he wants to be a certain way or if he wants to express a certain way, Spielberg was like, whatever you're feeling, go for it. Because that's the thing, even when he's explaining to the characters in the movie, like there's a scene where a young Sammy Fableman is explaining to one of the characters of how to p- do the performance. And then the characters has a really good performance. But it's just like, 
you can see Sammy so emotional trying to get like like because how much he feels for the scene like you know and you know that's how Spielberg is himself like yeah. he, the way he like would really care so much about everything that happens like Seth Rogen's in this yeah. as like Paul Dano so his dad's best friend who there's a bit of yeah there's a bit of drama there but okay. it's a case of like you're like Seth Rogen like with, with Paul Dano and like Michelle Williams and like what's going to happen here but it's it's the perfect casting because he has that warmth that Seth Rogen always has, you know, and it's like, yeah, but yeah. at the same time, he's this, he, you know, he's not as intelligent as Paul Dano's character. And it's, I, don't, it, I just thought it's just all, all the way through really, really well made movie. Lovely. Mm. Let's give it some black puddings. I give it like a nine out of 10 again. Wow. Okay. Two and weeks it, in a row. Wait, did it fly by the two and a half hours? For me, it did, but I went okay. with two of my friends and for one of them, he agreed to me and for one of them, he felt like it dragged a bit. Okay. So maybe it's a case of if you if you like that kind of more wholesome I think you type behind the scenes. Just expect that, don't you, from a Steven Spielberg movie yeah. as well? What a man! What a movie! It is Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. Let's see how they do in the Oscars. You'd love to see him win Best Picture. Nine and a half black puddings out of ten. Brian, thanks a million. No bother at all. The Sunday Grill on Beat One Hundred Two One Hundred Three.